Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And this week, we're talking about four fundraising metrics every small nonprofit needs to know. Oh, I'm so excited. We're back to talking about fundraising, Nancy. It's been a while, and you know I love this topic. I know you're particularly excited today, and this is going to be a great conversation. And, you know, if you follow our philosophy about fundraising, you know that it's all about inviting people into your tent and then building a movement for your mission. And so I think fundraising really is about raising a whole lot of money. It doesn't matter where that money's coming from. Let's just get that money in the door. Am I right? Well, that's definitely one measure of how your fundraising is going, and you need to check it, and everyone will ask you about it. But it's only one measure, and I want to warn you, Nancy, that sometimes it can be a misleading one. If you really buy into the idea of building a movement, then you care about keeping people engaged and bringing in new supporters. And that's why I want to introduce today four fundraising metrics every small nonprofit needs to keep track of. There are only four. It doesn't need to be wickedly complicated, but it can be incredibly insightful. This sounds very Sarah. Not only are we going to simplify things, but you're with these four metrics, you're almost giving us a strategy, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> so before we delve in, I feel some obligation to give a quick shout out to Peter Drury and something he created years ago called the Beyond Cash Dashboard, which we'll link to on the Nonprofit Radio Show website if you're interested. It's a bit more complicated than what I'm proposing here today, um, but certainly these four metrics uh, have something in common with his great advice and brilliant observation that we have to look beyond the cash in the door to really tell if our fundraising is on the right track. And that's the key to today. So it sounds like the first thing I need to do is go out and invest in a super sophisticated database because, you know, I'm doing all this in Excel and I'm not sure how I'm going to get all these numbers you're talking about. Well, I will say, Nancy, that, of course, I am a fan of all nonprofit organizations having the tools they need to be successful. And I do believe that having a good, solid database helps you. However, today's four metrics can be done even if all you have is an Excel spreadsheet or even if all you have are those printed log books that we all used to handwrite our savings accounts in. You can even do it with that as long as you know the names and dates of when donations have happened in the last couple of years, you're good to go. Oh my God. So I can use that notebook with the two columns, money in, money out. I love that. Sure. (laughs) It might take a little longer and it might prompt you to want to fundraise for a database, but you can do it. (laughs) Awesome. So what do we need to know about this first point? Yes. So measurement number one is your retention rate. That is how many of your supporters who gave last year renewed and gave again this year. Here's why this matters. If a movement is made with loyal followers, then keeping a donor matters. It's also easier and cheaper than gaining a new one you'll find over time. (laughs) And you can consider each renewed donation a vote that what you're doing is inspiring. I personally think the retention rate is the most important fundraising number to look at. I love that. So essentially, we want to keep the people we have. 
Exactly. That totally makes sense. But, but, you know, people do move on. So what, what is a good retention rate? Ah, well, first let's talk about how you actually calculate it. So quickly, I like to actually look at a, like a 14 to 18 month window rather than just 12 months because my organization has a fiscal year that ends in the end of March and no one in the universe is thinking about that as the end of a year. So I know people give within a, a window. So I tend to look at about 18 months and basically all you're going to do is make a list of all the people who gave to you in 2019 and then make a list of all the people who gave to you in 2020, sort them alphabetically and count. That's <laughs> easy. <laughs> exactly. So for example, you had 100 donors in 2019, you had 127 donors in 2020. Um, when you match them up, you find out you had 47 donors who gave in 2019. And then again, in 2020, your retention rate, if I'm doing my math right, is 47%. So I, I love you're making this so simple, because when I previously thought about retention rates, I thought I had to go person by person to see if Susie Jones gave another year in a row. And you're not going person by person at this point. You can. It's great. And that'll help you identify maybe who you want to talk to. But yeah, you're just looking at, I have 127 this year. I had 100 last year. Let's match them up, see who's the same. And there you are. Very cool. So, okay. So back to my question, what is a good rate? Well, so let's use my example of that 47% return rate. If you looked only at the total numbers of donors, you'd see that, oh, in 2020, we had 127. And in 2019, we had 100. So we must be doing great, right? You'd be super pleased. But I'm actually concerned for this small nonprofit because you lost more than half of your donors from year to year. That should make you wonder why and what happened and how are we going to sustain ourselves over time? So there are lots of um, Google searches you can do to tell you what's a good retention rate for a nonprofit organization. I will tell you that most of those are based on national averages for very large national organizations, and I find them depressingly small. I think as a small nonprofit, we should have very high retention rates. We should be somewhere above 70% um, because we have the ability to build personal relationships with our donors. We're not anonymous to them. Um, and so we need to be really retaining them over time. So I always try to target something over 70%. And if I'm seeing something like my example of just 47, I'd really double down as an organization and try to figure out what happened to all those people we lost. So we want to keep the people we have, but, you know, some of them are going to move on and our organizational budget is growing. So we need to find new individual donors. Absolutely. So metric two is how many new donors did we get this year, right? So simply count up the number of people who made their first donation to you in 2020. And again, as you mentioned, that's important because your retention rate will never be 100%. People move away. They unfortunately pass away. Um, life happens. Um, so you'll never have 100% retention rate. So you always have to be growing that donor, uh, donor list uh, to your organization. You'll have to track this number over time to get familiar with your universe and your community to know what a reasonable goal is. The first year I started tracking that, I, I set an ridiculous goal. We're going to find, you know, 200 new donors this year. And in my small community, that just wasn't realistic. I've learned over time that, you know, we average about 
50 new donors a year. And so I'm going to set a goal of 75. Um, so it's one that you track over time to know what's the right target for you. But simply tracking it helps your organization understand, hey, we should be paying attention. How are we attracting new people to what we do? This is so interesting, and I can see how they play together. So, for example, I remember when I was running a nonprofit, we'd have a big fundraising gala, and people would invite their friends. So these were all new people. They weren't people necessarily tied to our mission. Their friends invited them to a good party. So we have these new people. And so if you look at your new people, really what you're saying is next year, I should be looking at how many of them stayed as donors. What was our retention rate related to those new people we got at this gala. That is an A-plus student, Nancy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we have our, our first two. Let's go to our third metric that we should be tracking. What's that? Right. I call it your returner rate. So every year you are going to lose some donors. And over time, you're going to want to track how many of them come back or return. So they've skipped a year. Why is this important? Well, someone who's given to you once at some point acknowledged that they shared values with you <laughs> and you're hoping you can bring them back into the fold. So how do you do this? Well, you've already done part of the work, right? You had that list for your retention rate where you said who gave in 2019 and who gave again in 2020. Well, who are all the people who gave in 2019 and didn't give in 2020? They're left on your list. So you're just going to look at who those people are and track them. Keep, keep a running list of those names, right? So you have that list maybe from 2017. Keep running it and just do a quick check. Did any of those names show up on my list? And again, all you're doing is alphabetizing your two lists and just doing a visual check unless you've got 20,000 donors, in which case you must have a database that can do this. Um, if you track this over time, you'll start to understand the inner workings of your own database. For example, maybe you find that most people return after just a one-year break. So chances are they just forgot. They don't pay attention to your time frame the way you pay attention to your time frame. You don't really then have to worry as much. Maybe having a slightly lower retention rate is okay for your organization because you get so many back as returners in a very short window of time. However, you may also find that your returner rate is quite low. Like once someone leaves your fold, they don't come back very much. And that tells you something about how your message is resonating. And it tells you something about where you want to spend your time and effort in keeping people in your list. You know, you're making me feel really guilty about, I think I'm a returner in my personal giving. And so now I'm thinking after we, after we talk, I should go to my checkbook um, because those being that returner is so important for these organizations we care about. You know, you know, there's that inside baseball term that your linty list, last year, not this year. And I find the linty list is so powerful because it, it, um, it allows you to prioritize what you're, what you need to work on. Right. Absolutely. And also it's a, it's a great seeing the number provides this great opportunity for conversation in your organization about context. Like maybe our executive director left last year and there was this shift. And so we lost a lot of people. The question is next year, are we going to gain them back because the new director is so 
vibrant and visionary and trustworthy um, that we've gained them back. It's, it's a way to measure what's the community response to, to something that maybe did happen in our organization. And that's why you can't look just at your retention rate, um, because sometimes something has happened in the greater economy externally or within your organization that might cause a pause in giving. And so the question is, organizationally, how do we know when we're back on track? Well, we see those returners coming back. Awesome. So so just to catch up here, we have our retention rate, we have our new donors, we have our returner rate. What's the fourth metric we need to track? Right. This one sounds scary. I promise it's not. You can do this. It's your increase to decrease ratio. I don't actually necessarily calculate it as a ratio, but that that's just the way I think about it. And it's a comparison of either the number of donors. So you can do it by just number of donors or the net amount difference. So you gave 100 last year and 150 this year um, for people who either increase or decrease their giving. So why is this important? Well, it's a great way to compare how your movement building efforts are comparing to either external trends like the overall economy or internal changes like you've added a new popular program. And what you want to see is are there trends over time of people getting more attached to your mission, right? Um, So you can calculate this again two ways. You And I actually recommend counting both because they tell you slightly different things. <laughs> um, you can just count the number of donors who made an increase versus a decrease. So you'd go back to your retention rate. Though In my example, there were 47 donors, I think I said, um, who, who gave both years, right? So you'd look at those 47 donors and you'd say, oh, let's see, um, 12 of them gave more in 2020. They increased. Uh, Oh, now I'm going to get myself into tough math. 30 of them uh, gave the same. And that leaves five, I think, if I did my math right, who decreased, right? So you'd know, okay, in our, in our uh, organization of our reten- those we retained, we had 12 increases to five decreases. That's, a, that's, that's the right direction. <laughs> and then you can also look at the amounts of that difference. So um, you know, sometimes someone only increases by five dollars. <laughs> um, so, but if someone doubled their gift, that'd be really good to note. That might be a sign of like, wow, we must be doing something that's really resonating. I love that. Yeah. Well, I I just think that it really shows kind of the story of your organization, and you're bringing hopefully you're bringing people up this ladder of giving, and that they're getting more and more attached and more and more a part of your community. And that tells me that one strategy I see a lot, maybe not, maybe isn't a good idea. And that is, I often get fundraising letters that auto-populate what they want me to give. So it says, you know, will you give again, I don't know, $150 or something like that. You're, what you're saying makes me think that auto-populating that is a bad idea. You know, I... I agree, Nancy. I tend to believe it's important to let your donors know the amount of their last gift and the date of their last gift. Because I actually, I go into this with a totally glass half full optimism that most people will want to renew. I believe that much in my mission and I believe in our ability to to produce good work, right? So I think everyone wants to renew. Most people just forget. Did I give in November? Did I give in February? I don't know. I know I wrote a check sometime. (laughs) And how much did I give? And then I let them decide, is it time to increase my gift or, or not? Now, I might write some language in the letter that explains why we have so many exciting programs on the horizon in 2021, and we're hoping we can increase support 
in general, but I would never limit you, right? What if you gave a hundred dollars and I populated it and just asked you to give 150, you were ready to write a check for 300 because you're so excited about us. I, I don't want to limit you in any way. That really makes sense to me. You know, these four metrics really help us to know our community a lot better that we, we, we often, unfortunately, think about all donors as the same. Those are my donors with this, like everybody's, you know, painted with the same brush. But in reality, we have a lot of diversity in our donors. People come to us for many different reasons. They have lots of different means in terms of financial giving. And it strikes me that these, these, these four metrics really help us to know our people, uh, to prioritize our work, to say, okay, you as a development director, you know exactly what you need to do once you have these numbers, right? Absolutely. Like take, for example, the new donor list. The first thing I do with the new donor list is, is farm that list out to board members and say, please give these folks a call or an email, whatever is you know working for them and welcome them and find their story. We don't know why they gave to us. So please call and thank them and, and welcome them. So that new donor list is awesome for that. Um, maybe for those who who you didn't see re- retained last year, um, you can come up with a clever way to outreach to them um, that, that inspires them to become a returner right away. Again, most of the time, I think people just forget and so assume goodness. You don't have to point out that, Nancy, you've lapsed. You know, help, <laughs> where are you? That just makes people feel bad. But maybe it's time to send you another reminder that you are a part of this team and a part of this movement, and we value your support. Um, so it's a great way to prioritize my to-do list and, and have tangible things to give to my board and other volunteers to help me with. Yeah, I was just thinking that, that that we're often struggling to to engage our board and to give them specific things that they can do. And this is pretty specific. These 10 people haven't donated this year. Please reach out to them, give them a call, tell them about the good work of our organization. And you don't need to ask them for funding, but just make sure they stay in the loop. That's a great board task. Perfect, Nancy. Perfect. And it also matters to use these metrics over time to get a feel for what's normal for your organization and not, you know, and what's not normal for your organization. So you get kind of a warning signal, like something's afoot here. We're not, we're not resonating in the community in the ways we used to. And that's the conversation your board should be having too, right? It's, it's not as simple as like, oh, we got enough money in the door this year. Phew, we don't have to think about it anymore. Your board trying to build a movement should always be asking, are we resonating in our community? And these are your warning signs that you are or are not. You know, and I think the other piece for your board and 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 your executive director as well is to think about when the metrics don't align with what you think. You might think, hey, we're doing great. We're bringing in all this money. But you find out that it's actually one donor who significantly increased their donation and everybody else decreased or whatever the story is. It's really matching the numbers to the story so that everything aligns. Yep. And remember, you can do these same four metrics with volunteers another key way people give, you know, did we retain our volunteers? Did we see increased time from them? Did we get new ones? Same measures work. And those are the same kinds of things to track for how your resonance is is feeling in your community. I love it. So these four metrics work across across your organization. Absolutely. Very cool. So Sarah, what's our word of the week? Well, I think our word of the week has to be measure. Um, And a reminder that it is true that often what we measure is what ends up mattering. It, it, it kind of 
forces us to think about certain things. And so from a long-term fundraising perspective, remember that what matters is building those lasting relationships with people who share your organization values, not just how much cash came in the door last month. I love this. You know, when I think about the word measure, I think that you need two points in order to take a measure. Uh, when you think about it, everything probably except your waistline, <laughs> but, but like mileage is between point A and B or, you know, financial metrics are really between now and then, whatever now and then means to you. So so you talk about stretching this over time. And so measure for me means that you need two points of reference in order to take that measurement. Absolutely. Yep, for sure. So we here at the Nonprofit Radio Show are big believers in in using data to help guide the story of your organization, but not overwhelming yourself in the process with that data. We understand that sometimes it can feel totally buried in data as an organization, and you aren't quite sure what to do with it all. So these four metrics are a way to not be too fancy or complicated, but to guide your work. And I find them useful because they actually tell me the things I want to know as a fundraiser. You just have to track a few of these, and then you'll know who you should prioritize talking to. And you'll also feel so much more confident as an organization in knowing really where you are and how you're doing building that long-term movement you're aiming for. So we hope you'll commit to keeping track of a few metrics this year and you'll start seeing the difference. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.